Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Do my same thing. I always do and pour a little bit of water on it. 
Um, the Yankees and the Mets actually have the best records in baseball. The Yankees uh, are 17-6, the Mets are 17-8, and and by winning percentage, they are 1-2. and The Mets a game ahead of the Dodgers, Brewers, and Padres for the NL lead in that. But, I mean, if you look at wins, they, they are the first to 17, and in all likelihood, those two teams will be the first to 20 wins. Um, both the Mets and the Yankees um, have really good run differentials in large part to their pitching. Um, and I think, you know, the, the Dodgers have given up less runs than the Yankees. Um, I do believe that it's a few less teams. Um, it's been, boy, it's been an interesting season, start to the season as a Yankee fan. Um, I don't want to make this a Yankee, a pure Yankee open. Well, actually, I take that back. I do want this to be a pure Yankee open, um, but I'm not going to do that to you fine people. Um, we have a lot to go on. I think, Nate, a couple of the big things that have jumped out at me at the beginning of the season, and, and really now that we've got some we, – we've got some – I guess, good headlines going on. Nothing that jumps out at me is bad. Uh, umpiring has been has been suspect. We've seen Angel Hernandez, as usual, um, kind of working out. Uh, I, 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 I guess um, the umpires not being a story is good. I, I always try to think, Nate, what is – uh, not a story, just as much as it is a story. I think, unfortunately, one of the late things that Nate and I, I want to get your thought on that is becoming a story is how you consume the game. And what I mean by that is the Apple TV um, partnership seems not to be going so great. Uh, I think baseball has gotten a little too cute and complicated with how you consume the game. Be it uh, is it on streaming on Amazon, is it on MLB TV, or is it on? You know, I, I find it frustrating that baseball has gotten so complicated to just sit down and watch. What do you do? You feel the same? Yeah, I mean, I I know I've kind of harped on this issue with you multiple times, both on this show and a little bit off air where I I just don't get why the Apple TV partnership. Now, as far as I understand, they have not put that behind the paywall of Apple TV, right? Even if you don't subscribe to Apple TV, you can, that's like the one free thing that you can watch when they had the baseball game on. Is that how they're doing it? You know what? I actually don't know. That's a great question. Um, Yeah. Just because I, I often have some, some, Apple thing where I get a promo for, you know, a year of Apple TV plus. I think I've got mine extended to like 2028 at this point. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. But I I mean, the inconvenience of it's just strictly, it is so annoying. Oh, incredibly so. And I mean, we've, we've talked about this before that my primary method of watching baseball games is through the MLB TV app. And I, you know, it's great when I'm in Chicago and I want to watch the Orioles or I want to watch the Giants or the Pirates as long as they're not playing a Chicago team and then I'm blacked out. Right. If I wanted to become a Cubs fan or a White Sox fan, it's just not possible unless I decide to pay all the extra money to get a cable subscription. And I just, there has to be a way that they can work around these blackout rules. I just, I don't why they are so stubborn about these blackout rules. And so, like it, all they're doing is making it harder yeah. to watch 
the games because like I was in I was actually in uh I was in Virginia this this past weekend and I, I had the opportunity to go to the Orioles Red Sox game on Sunday. But, you know, Friday, Saturday, I happened to be out and about. I wasn't in front of a TV. But if I wanted to pull up and, like, maybe catch an inning or two of the game while I was out, wouldn't have been possible because I was in market again. I would have been blacked out. It just makes no sense that they make it so hard to watch a game. You either need to be at the game or you need to be sitting somewhere where you can be in front of a TV if you're in market. Yeah, no, that's a good point, especially with the in-market. And, I mean – you know, the, the, the Occam's razor is just, oh, the log into your cable situation and, and watch it that way. But it's just not, the, it's just not realistic for the modern world. And, and, and you'd think that, you know, the, the, the counter to that is, oh, well, you know, perfect. That's, that's why you have your, your, your phone options. But it's just, it's just not that easy, especially when you keep switching between apps. You don't know where it's going to be. As the, you know, the Yankees have a number of games on the, Amazon situation, which is which is even weirder, Nate. I, I don't know if you've watched any of the Yankee games or any of the baseball games on Amazon, but it seems like they're piping through the regular um, studios. They're just putting the Amazon branding on it. I could be wrong, but whatever it is, it's weird. It's annoying. I don't like it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I, one thing I will say about the the MLB TV app, which I do love, and uh, I get it free through the T-Mobile partnership. Um, it, it's it's always um, possible to get the radio no matter where you are. So and and there's a part of me that really does enjoy kind of just throwing a classic radio sound of baseball on. Um, and speaking of sound, I just uh, see that we have another uh, we have a five one five on there. So uh, I want to give you a chance to say hey, how you doing? Um, as we get our uh, our third seat filled, how you doing? I had to throw a curveball at you guys and call from a different phone again today. Is I'm kind of getting settled man. in. Get I just listened. I just listened to Carlos Carrasco spin a gym today while I was working. It was not the most uh, pleasurable accompaniment of my uh, working day. <laughs> listening to two ends of a double hitter in which your team dropped both ends of it. But it's a day. Um, you know, you just hit on something I was about to say. Baseball is definitely. Uh, a a radio it's it's one of the few sports out there that like i mean you go back and catch highlights but if you really know the game like you can still really really enjoy a baseball game on the radio without feeling like you're missing a lot especially um if you have the right announcers there's a few of them and uh i'll probably end up throwing one or two out over the course of our shows over the next few weeks uh just to point out to people if they ever want to if you have the at bad app or if you're playing with mlb or whatever or you can do a little searching and find uh the radio feeds for some of these teams some of these guys are definitely entertaining and worth the listen for sure yeah no i i don't know about any either of you guys i grew up but i loved uh when the MLB at that app was just like brand new and I would use it to listen to Vince Scully. Uh, man, that was, that was the best. So, uh, so I remember, oh, I remember on. real quick, if you don't mind, uh, and I'll be fast, but I was messing around with MLB.com before it ever really became on the app. Like in the very early two thousands, I used it for Vince Scully and I worked in the medical field for a long time as a translator. So I used to use Spanish baseball to really uh, continue to sharpen my language skills. And so I used to listen oh. to the Dodgers guys and Jaime Harin and those guys. And I was always listening to Spanish. I used to call it doing homework, but yet I was sitting home having a few drinks and uh, listening to baseball games at night. So that's not a bad homework assignment. 
Oh man, that is awesome. I, I love that you shared that. That's a cool you know, I never even thought of doing that. It's funny, um, Mike, you say that. You always hear about like the, the Korean players or, or you know, like when um if the Yankees have yeah, usually like it's like an Asian player or something like that come over and they say, you know, how do they how do they communicate? You know, they, I, I it was a it was a frequent criticism of some of the guys when you'd come over from Japan or so and uh, they wouldn't speak they wouldn't speak English. And it was never spoken as a crit- – I guess I shouldn't say criticism. That's incorrect. More of an observation. Like, it's interesting how you can live in America for X amount of years. I don't think Ichiro – I think Ichiro always had a translator with him his whole career. And, um, you know, it was, it was often asked. You know, it's amazing how you kind of hadn't picked up on English, yet you're able to play baseball. And, and pardon me if Ichiro is a bad example, but there are others. And uh, the players would always come up and say the same thing. We're not we're – not, speaking English or Japanese or any language, we're talking baseball. And it's funny you hear people say the same thing about music, but, you know, it's, it's a strike, it's a ball, it's an out, it's a fastball, it's a curveball, and it's just there's something really cool I dig about that, that it's its own little ling- linguistical ecosystem. I think that's, a, that's the word I want to use. So I love that story, Mike. I, really cool. that. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, I, you know, I studied Spanish, and so I already had a, a good foundation of the language. But I think some of the, for the record, though, some of these guys that do still keep translators with them can speak the language pretty good. It's this whole idea oh, yeah. of of not wanting to come across wrong in the media or have something to say, sensationalized or poorly represent when they're one of very few of, a, of an entire demographic. And so I think you're also, yeah, no. you also see – you do see that in some cases, too. Yeah, no, I think it's it's such a nuanced language, and it's so easy to, um, so easy to put your foot in your mouth, I guess. Um, but hey, uh, let's take a quick moment, um, uh, Mike. I'd love to get your thoughts too. Um, I was just th- talking to Nate uh, and asking him, you know, Mike, I'll ask you. Do you know who the the team with the, uh, the 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 best team in the AL and the best team in the NL are by record? Um, do I know? If I had to off the top of your head, off the top of my head, I would say that in the um, American League, it's either the Twins or the Yankees right now. Uh, it would be none other than your New York Yankees. Okay. Yeah. And then um, in the National League, um, it may be the Mets. So both teams in New York. It is the Mets. Yeah. So I know I follow baseball it's a little bit. It's, it's been a tough, tough uh, couple of uh, years here in New York for sports. I mean, you know, no one's crying for us. But uh, it is pretty fun around here with both the Mets and the Yankees doing well. And it's really on the strength of pitching. And i got to be honest with you both, and this is, this is where I want to start, you know, where I really wanted to, to get talking to you both about baseball on the whole and the way the game is being played. I saw – you know, that we're on a path to a couple of different things, that some of them being, you know, like the, uh, the, the implementation of the pitch clock, um, the fact that, uh, you know, there is – I don't think it will happen, but there is talk of getting rid of or legislating throws over to first base. I think, Nate, I was texting you with, with this uh, a couple of days ago when the Yankees were playing the O's, and the O's threw over to first like 40 or 45 times, something like that, um, you know, in between pitches. It was it was excessive, 
and that's fine. I mean, they, they can do what they want if it's within the rules, and the Yankees have certainly done the same. But you know, limiting, you know, you if you um, you have to throw, you can only throw over two times to first or something like that, and uh, after that one you can't, which means the runner has a free run to second after the third try, something like that. I don't know. I don't remember the exact rule, but where I'm going with all this is if you look at that, plus the potential elimination of the shift, and it seems like there are a lot less home runs this year, I think baseball is doing what we've all been asking them to do for years and keeping the, keeping the teams from hitting home runs. And instead, you're starting to see more action on the base paths. I feel like, the, yes, the Yankees are hitting home runs, but not quite at the clip they have in the past. Do you guys feel the same when you watch – uh, your team's play. I, again, I really only watch the Yankees, but man, they're they're winning these games with timely doubles and hitting. Yes, they've had their games with no hits with runners in scoring position. But do you feel the same? Do you feel like the sport is actually kind of coming back in from the fences a little bit? Um, I want to hear. I, I want to hear from uh, from Mike on this one first. I think they're trying to. Um, as far as I still think the sample size is a little small to say whether or not these changes are really having. A profound, a profound effect or not? Um, what's going on? I, the numbers say so right now. We, you know, keep in mind we still had the short spring. We had guys still kind of finding their rhythms and whatever else. So I'm not sure where everybody is mm-hmm. going to be on that. So I'm curious. I'm curious to see how that continues to how that continues to evolve. And I'm also hoping to see because oh, it'll in, inevitably come out um, over the course of the season. I'm waiting to hear what pitchers think of the baseball right now. Um, yeah. So I'm curious to see, is it a little less wound? Does it have a little bit more give to it? Are, are the seams a little higher now, allowing the pitchers to get a little bit better grip on on some of that stuff? I'm curious to see um, how the balls are being, you know, uh, constructed and, and what those are like right now. And, you know, eventually – Eventually, and maybe it won't be during, until the All-Star break when you got a little bit of a break, but um, you, or if a team is in their market is really starting to struggle, so they're really having a hard time trying to figure out what to write about the team. So uh, they, uh, you know, some writer decides to write a story on it uh, off on on the beating pass. So I'm curious to see how that works. I, I do know that I, I feel like we got to be careful with the limiting the throws or what does that do to the pitch clock? And like you said, what kind of advantages that get? But I, I, I do think that baseball is trying to bring the fences in a little bit. The, the home run is entertaining, but what they're trying to get away from is this whole all or nothing type game where it's either home run or strikeout. Can we create action more on the base pass? Can we get some other things going on? Can we keep this game moving? Uh, because this is what's going to really help us as we're trying to grow our demographic. Let's be honest. The diehards are going to still come watch baseball. The diehards like us right. are still going to follow regardless. But for baseball to grow and really continue to build its following and to be as popular in the next generation as it uh, is in this they have to do things to continue to evolve, and I think these are part of it. Uh, I'm just curious to see. It looks like maybe they've it's done some good as far as it, those goals, bringing in the fences, creating more uh, creating more traffic on the base passes, uh, maybe some more gap hits and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I still think it's a little too early to tell um, just how effective these things have been. But that's definitely the design on these rules and why they're doing it, and we've talked about that. Yeah, times, I mean, right? I, I – I, th- I think additionally, you know, it's that they're that they're working, right? That that 
Yeah, you, you, your main point of it's a small sample size. And I'd love to hear from some of the pitchers on what they have to say. But, yeah, certainly I think it's creating more action. Um, and, uh, well, I have, I have another thought, but I want to hear, Nate, um, I mean, do you, do you get just the sense, like when you sit down and watch a game, um, be it on the radio or on TV, do you, do you feel like there's more happening? And do you have anything you don't attribute that to? Um, I think there, I think there are certain guys out there that are more fun to watch because you know that they have that speed tool, and the game does seem to be moving now. Whether or not it's going to actually turn into the next, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the term that I wanted to use, like the market short, the market shortfall that led to the rise of. Moneyball being, you know, Billy being the mastermind figuring out that, oh, it's not about Moneyball? power hitting. Yeah, where he's like, oh, it's not about your batting average or your power numbers. It's about how often do you get on base. And he started, you know, finding cheaper guys and building the team that way. I really thought market inefficiency, that's what I was looking for. I, I'm, I kept waiting for speed, like stolen bases and speed to be the next market inefficiency, but it never really seemed – take hold. Instead, we did go to the three true outcome nature of the game. But I, I think with the backlash against the spider, spider tack and sticky stuff, the backlash against PED use, I do think that we are going to start seeing more of the five tool players finally getting more recognition. Not that not that they're not getting recognition, but there is something just more exciting when you have a guy like Jorge Mateo on first base because you know he's going to take off at any moment, and it's basically just a like teasing the pitcher and the catcher. Are you going to be able to throw me out? I don't think you are. And it, I think that that is more exciting to watch. Um, I, I mentioned how I, I was in – I mentioned earlier how I was in uh, – the Baltimore DC area over the weekend, we went up to the game and my wife, who is very much not a very big baseball fan was watching <laughs> the game. And she commented on how she's like, I don't understand. Why are they just standing around all the time? And to her, like to her credit at that point in the game, after sitting through a rain delay and being cold at that point in the evening, there was a lot of standing around because it was just the Orioles right. were kind of in a position of let's just end the game. And the Red Sox were just not doing anything of interest towards the end of that game anyway. But there is something more exciting when you have guys on the bases, when they're putting, when they're getting singles and you're actually making the defense make a play or you're putting a ball in the gap and just letting the guys run. That's way more exciting than just sitting around hoping that the next guy's going to hit it over the fence. Nate, you just yeah, hit on something. Oh, no, go on, Mike. No, I'm sorry, man. I, he hit on something I really like, though. I mean, you think of the – the money ball aspect and the on-base percentage and stuff. And I think, like, it's too bad that whoever, you know, that as the money ball sort of theme was being, like, put together, that a person didn't say, but, hey, think about this. You can make up for some of the power if you get guys that can run and you really pick your spots. They didn't do that, right? As a matter of fact, if you hear Billy Bean talk about it, he says that, the stolen base is actually a low percentage play and not a smart play so much in baseball. Um, but I, I still think you mentioned speed, and I'm telling you, one of these lower market teams, it may be Oakland or somebody, 
or maybe Pittsburgh, or maybe Tampa at some point, because they, they have some guys now on that team that do have some speed. You're going to see you're going to see a couple of teams at least start to really push the envelope on the base base pass. I could see the Mets mm-hmm. trying to push the envelope a little bit with Buck Showalter as their manager, but you're going to see teams start to push the envelope there. And all you really need is a team to really be successful doing it. Right, and then in any sport, right. it becomes more of a copycat league, right? So if if you got a few guys that can run, I mean, listen, nobody could do what St. Louis was doing back in the '80s because you didn't. I mean, nobody had those guys: Vince Coleman, Ozzy Smith, Willie McGee, you know, and all those guys that could run too, right? But at the same time, even Tommy Herr could run a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, there were still some teams that you started seeing more. Uh, really fast guys at the top of lineups then, and guys, you know, leadoff guys. And even if you didn't have four or five like the Cardinals did, most teams were trying to get one, two, at least a couple guys to really, you know, wreak some havoc on the base pass. I mean, if you, I can go through, and I, I'm not going to do it right now, but I can go through teams like okay. in the mid to late 80s that I would watch that had two or three guys. And I used to always point to those guys. Every time I'd watch baseball as a kid, like, I liked him because he could run. I liked Tim Range, even Mitch Webster. I liked these guys because they could run. I, and so I wanted to see if they could steal or what they were going to do on the base pass. I, I can't tell you, and this sounds really dumb, but I was so excited when the Braves got Otis Nixon in 1991 because I had seen him in Montreal and how fast he was. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my team's finally got a guy who can really, really run. I was thrilled. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I, we're onward. And no, no, I love no, 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 I love it. I, and actually, just, just to slightly continue the point, um, it, it definitely feels like uh, that excitement of getting a fast, dynamic. That's you know, that's the word I think we could all agree on is that you know they're they're adding more of a dynamic uh, dynamicness to the game. I, I, I going back, I remember when the Yankees had Alfonso Soriano, and and the guy would sure hit home runs here or there, but I mean you know he was also just a monster on the base path. So if he didn't have a home run, he still you know the idea of baseball was you know put the bat on the ball. And and he would do that, and even if it wasn't a home run, the guy made it to first or second. He's a, he's a steal threat, and I think there was something to that. I mean, I miss the era of the of the you know the early two thousands, like the slap hitters. I, I always kind of thought Juan Pierre was the kind of guy that I would look at and be like, that's the guy I want on my team because you know what? He he doesn't have to hit a home run. He just closes his eyes, get his bat on the ball, and uh, listen. If the ball doesn't go to one of the nine guys trying to stop him from getting the base hit, great. Then you're just going to have some excitement. And where I wanted to go with this too is is you know we've all talked about um, the base paths and how we increase excitement on there. And and I'm thinking, okay, so what's the generation we want to get interested in? What, who do we want to? Who are we actually trying to grab? And let's just say it's that you know that 13 to 30 demographic. I know that's a really big range, but that's a, that's a big, that's a core group of who you're trying to build the game around. And especially at the youngest level, I mean, in my head kind of right now, as I'm speaking, I'm thinking of it as kind of a, a more TikTok generation. And, and with those, with, with that generation, and, and I, this is just something I've come across a lot of marketing, you know, webinars and stuff that I've seen, you know, what, what those folks are looking for, and you just even ask any one of them, um, it, it's the quick action, 
that you can go from, you know, one slide to the next slide to the next slide and action to the action to the action. Even just a, a home run, it's really funny. I think, I think Nate, maybe you'll, you'll relate to me on this one, but it feels like we've gone from a long-form video to um, sort of your, your short-form video, which I would just call like, you know, kind of an Instagram story. Uh, to now, you really got to have you know an A, a B, a C, and a D, and that tells a story. And I relate that to baseball in that you no longer said, okay, give me the quick highlight of the home run. Now give me the first base. Now give me the second base. Now give me the third base, and give me the fourth base. And I think if baseball can harness the story of getting a guy from the plate to first base, to second base, to third, that would go great with this generation. They really need to harness that. And yeah, I think I think having the speedster on there, showing the tale of, of how to get around the paths is is certainly something uh, exciting. Just like just like you were saying, um, Mike, about about having you know somebody like that in '91 come to your team. You're thinking, all right, this guy can can just tell a story and, and the walk. I mean, a guy like uh, um, a guy, even if you don't hit the ball well. Um, you could still you could still contribute. You could be a good defensive player, get your base on balls, get on base, and then cause cause some ruckus. You don't really see guys going for bases on balls uh, much anymore. Now, listen, I just want to take a quick moment as we are are, are somehow I don't quite understand how, but we're halfway through the show, uh, and I just want to remind everybody uh, while you're listening, go check out phiapparel.co on your phone or on your web browser, wherever you might be listening. If you're listening to us on the podcast, chances are you're playing on your phone too. So put down Candy Crush and head over to phiapparel.co, and you can get your high-quality, unique designs. Um, they've got cool stuff for everybody. Make sure you use our promo code CHEFS for 50% off. And uh, speaking of 15% off, that deal is always a good deal. Other deals that have always been good deals are great pitchers like Clayton Kershaw. And I just want to take a quick moment. Uh, you know, we have, uh, as, as Nate uh, brought up earlier, we have a fun little text thread, and I was asking you guys, you know, what's something that's been on your mind that you want to talk about? And I think, Mike, you brought this up, was is the brilliance of Clayton Kershaw. And I want to have a little quick, you know, I just want to get, get your thoughts really quickly, Mike and Nate, on Clayton Kershaw and what he's done um, I mean, obviously the guy's in the back nine of his career. Um, but, you know, Mike, I want to give you your platform to to talk about what Clayton has done um, in this back half of his career and how he's doing it with not just his arm but his mind. So what has stood out for you? So what has really stood out for me is just seeing him be developed by the organization. They did it right. They kind of took care of him as he was growing up. But, I mean, man, he got to pick the brain of a guy like Sandy Koufax. And he was compared to him uh, because of the kind of dominance that he showed. And Koufax sort of embraced him from what I heard, and they've had some really good conversations over the years. Um, but he comes up as a left-hander in, a, in, a, in an age where we really question the longevity of pitchers now. You know, we have short innings and everything else, but um, – you could always see that the stuff was there. And then, of course, as he gets a couple more years in, he continues to, to put it together and become more and more dominant. And then as he's gotten older and had to deal with some injuries, he's kind of had that same sort of resurgence that we saw from Justin Verlander. 
I mean, different side of the plate, mm. different pitcher, different stuff. But where he's learned how to pitch, he always had the stuff, and he could get people out. But he's learned how to pitch and learned how to be more strategic. He's brought some. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not saying he he pitches like these guys, but he's really brought the some Maddox Glavin kind of like mental things to the to the game now, and he's really had to approach it because he doesn't have, you know, you, you equate it to any guy who's maybe lost a step, but if he's become more seasoned and more experienced, he knows how to, uh, you know, get here or, you know, the fastest way to cut this spot off or whatever. You know what I mean? So, um, but I, I think the thing that really blew me away, I read this the other day, and he just passes this record of Don Sutton's in a, in a lot fewer games, right? But of any pitcher that has more than 1,500 innings, I don't remember if it was first in both or first in one and third in the other, but he's either got the lowest ERA and the lowest whip, or one of them is third, out wow. of any pitcher ever to to log 1,500 innings. I'm going to look that up here in a second to verify it before we go off air today. Uh, but I I was just I was blown away by because I knew he was good. Like and and I've, I, listen, I've always tried to get him on fantasy teams. Um, and because around the time he was coming up, I told you I was already listening to the Dodgers people a lot or whatever. Um, but, you know, if you get a guy who can strike out a bunch of guys, that's what you want, right? And you get a win, you play for a team that can score runs, you get a bunch of strikeouts. But he's still finding a way. He's not, like, finishing every game with two and three strikeouts anymore either. He's still finding a way to punch people out because he's a brilliant pitcher. He always had the stuff. He always had the talented arm. But now he's become a – even more well-rounded pitcher, just fundamental, you know, dirtbag baseball player. And it, yeah, just to, know, see some, to see somebody, real quick, to see somebody great continue yeah. to evolve and continue to improve their game and continue to want to get better and not just fall off as their stuff does, that's when I think they should get extra flowers. I'm going to bring up a controversial name here, but I think you'll understand the comparison. Um it, it, in a way, it, it's like uh, I remember Roger Clemens toward the tail end of his career. I mean, yeah, I mean, let's just let's <laughs> let's pretend the PEDs aren't part of the conversation. But the guy went from just an absolute power pitcher. I mean, the guy went from rocket to somebody who could really um, command the baseball. And that's a word um, I don't know if I heard you use, but I think that's something I I I really think Kershaw has managed to do. Um, is is take uh, just just command of the ball. I mean, he has the ball in his hand. You know what's going to happen, and something good's going to happen. Uh, you know, I, you guys had said earlier about there being you know three outcomes um, of, a, of of any given pitch, um, and I just I think he's he's really really the guy to do that. Um, so um, I, I thought that was um, I think that's 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 just one of the best stories of a veteran. I think Max Scherzer also having a really really good uh, back in nine of his career. But I have a question uh, to Nate on the other end of the spectrum um, on the younger players in the sport right now. Um, so Nate, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the rookies and some of the players making their debuts. Is there anybody that stands out that right now just looks to you like a pure 
raw baseball player that that excites you and I mean you know we're talking like within you know their rookie sophomore maybe their third year but you know somebody definitely in those early 20s that's just got you thinking oh man here's here's the next I don't know the next kind of like Juan Soto somebody that makes you really excited about the future of the game I'm going to do my best to stay away from my Orioles as long as I No, can. bring them, bring them up. Otherwise, <laughs> Nate, listen to me. If you don't if you don't tell your Orioles, trust me, pal, no one else will. So enjoy it. And use your platform. Oh. Well, I'm going to kick it off with Spencer Torkelson, who is just, you know, you from the day he got drafted, it was just all about how he is going to tear the cover off the ball, and he absolutely is. I don't know if you've seen or watched any of the highlights of some of the home runs that he's hitting out of Tiger Stadium, but go back and find those, and those things are moonshots out of a pitcher's park early in the year when the ball, as we touched on earlier, the ball's not really jumping yet because the weather has really warmed up. We haven't hit that peak summer home run pocket of the year yet but Torkelson it doesn't matter all he does is just pound baseballs but since we just uh, were talking about the brilliance of the pitching career that Clayton Kershaw has there are a lot of really good young stud pitchers out there right now too that are just exciting to watch and I really am looking forward to watching the pitch one of them is on Baltimore. He came up, he made his debut this past weekend on Friday for the Orioles, Kyle Bradish. All he did come up six innings in his major league debut quality start. He gave up, uh, what was it? One and run, two and runs. I think he gave up. Yeah. I think he gave up two and runs, three runs total gave, you know, comes in, does a quality start. Most of the Orioles starting rotation for as good as they've, as the pitching's been this year they still haven't been going six innings. They've they've been getting pulled at like, you know, four or five as we work our way through the first part of this season. But Bradish, he is supposed to be the third guy. He's not even the highlight of the pitching that's supposed to be coming up for Baltimore this year. And then the other guys, you know, Bobby Witt, I know we talked about him a little bit last year because he was, you know, we were kind of looking, was Bobby Witt Jr. going to come up and, be a rookie of the year candidate. He never made it last year. He was one of the guys who broke camp with the Royals this year. Great story when he had his first career hit and it ended up being the game-winning RBI. He's since cooled down a little bit, but I think he's going to be a nice little story as the year goes along too, out in, Can- out in Kansas City. Can I add two more? Absolutely. Uh, if, if, uh, go for it, man. Quickly. I'm going to do my home team really quick too. Um, he, he gave up three runs today, but I like what I'm seeing out of Kyle Wright. I think he's about to take another step forward, very highly touted coming out of college, and I like what I'm seeing out of him. Um, and then I'm telling you, man, Julio Rodriguez, me and Julio out by the schoolyard. When he goes out in the schoolyard, he can play center <laughs> field. He can play right field. He's got some pop in his bat. Uh, he just fit, he hit a home run the other day. He's getting stolen bases too. Um, so I – I'm excited to see this guy. Like, there's all this talk about Jared Kalinick, and Jared Kalinick may end up being very good. Uh, but for my money right now, I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be the better player and going to be the star in the outfield in, in Seattle. Uh, Stephen Kwan coming up was, uh, you know, he started off hot. He's kind of uh, cooling down a little bit. But 
and and then he's not a rookie per se. That's my last guy. Uh, he's not a rookie per se, uh, but you know, coming over from Japan, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with what I've seen so far out of the early start from the uh, the Japanese guy for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. I I I love that get when when the Cubs sign Seiya, even in the middle of their sell off rebuild. I think that that guy's gonna be fun to watch. I I'm actually planning on going to a couple of Cubs games this year, and I'm really looking forward to watching him play. One last guy that I'm gonna throw out there. He hasn't been a highly touted rookie, but he made his major league debut yesterday, and he has his first career hit. It was an RBI double today for the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Juan Miranda. It is the cousin of Lynn Man- Lynn Manuel Miranda, who everybody no is out there listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lynn Miranda's cousin is a, Alexander uh, is a first Hamilton. Baseman for the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> and the and uh, the the mastermind that brought you the music to Encanto. <laughs> oh, listen, Lynn Lynn Manuel Miranda oh, is Bruno. a treasure. <laughs> I, I I real quick. I think when when all is said and done. You uh, you look historically at the great minds of our time. We're lucky to be alive at the time of Lynn Manuel Miranda. That's my take, not a baseball take. Um, but listen, I, I do I do love, and that's one of my favorite things about baseball, is the constant influx of young talent um, and and new talent. Even if it's guys that are just kind of coming out of nowhere, I do love a good story where uh, a player has a, a fantastic. Uh, and sort of at twilight to his career. I mean, you know, we're seeing guys like Adam Wainwright still still out there, and like we talked about, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, um, you know, uh, Max Scherzer having just incredible years. But the guys that you all mentioned I think are really exciting, and it gives you something to look forward to. I mean, I think, I think there's, there's a very <coughs> I, I, delicate – that's the word I want to use. There's a very delicate – um, precipice I think baseball has come to where there's so much potential for um, the future and what's going to come. Now, hey Dave, real quick, I, because I didn't see yeah. it coming. He was going to be the fifth starter, but I'm, I'm very impressed so far with what I've seen from Nestor Cortez this season. Oh, man. Listen, I, he had an immaculate inning a couple of weeks ago, too, which I, I did. I, I, I love man, this- Listen, he's been striking people out even in his last outing. He still was uh, he still was very steady. Uh, listen, if Nestor Cortez can pitch like that in the back of the Yankees rotation, or even close to that this yeah. season, oh yeah, listen. Now I think you guys are just he'll be fifty. Now I think you're just trying to make me mad. Bringing up a form, you're, you got you can't bring up an Oriole Rule Five guy that didn't even make it out of spring training and think I'm not going to have a comment about him. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, I get you. Right. So did so did I in Atlanta, and then he's still doing good in Toronto. So so far his game is translating back to the AL East. Um, so I just thought yeah. I'd double tap and give uh, Oreo, who also was a former Brave, and hang on to him. So I I thought that I would show you that I that I feel your pain and jump in that boat with you. How's that for uh, a friend? There you go. Wow, yeah. what a guy. He had to go. He had, he had to go to San Francisco to figure it out to get back up into Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but do, the point is anybody uh, could have had him. Baltimore could have had him back when he went to San Francisco. That's true. I mean, listen, that, the Yankee the Yankee rotation right now is out of its mind. I mean, Garrett Cole is probably the third best starter after uh, 
after after Sevi. I mean, Luis Severino, by the way, let me just take a quick moment. Luis Severino, appreciation moment. The guy has been out of his mind. He had one or two bad innings that, that I think inflated his ERA up to 3.7. Uh, but he's pitching way better than that. Uh, Nestor Cortez, the aforementioned. I mean, the dude's thrown 20 innings. He's given up, what, I think three earned runs. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, no, I, my, I'm glad you brought him up, Mike. I mean, he's he's 27, but he doesn't have a lot of uh, of um, uh, pitches having been thrown in the arm. Um, so he's, he's Yankee fans are very excited about that. And, I mean, listen, the, the guy who's thrown the most innings for the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery, who I forget what it was. He had something like 21 straight starts without with three runs or less run support. Now that he's getting some some run support and able to, um, you know, perform with the with the team behind him. And I, again, I didn't want to make this about the Yankees, but I did want to get this point out there. Uh, one thing about the Yankees and why I think they are having or why they have the best record in baseball isn't because Aaron Judge is hitting home runs again. Isn't because Anthony Rizzo has managed to figure out how to drive Nate crazy and hit, you know, whatever the sign is on the wall, he's hitting the ball exactly that far and having it bounce off the top of the wall. I think that happened, what, twice against the Orioles? Um, And then Michael King is playing well. And they're getting, you know, contributions from where you'd expect. But the thing with Michael right now is – oh, I'm a big fan of Michael King. Well, you said he's – okay, I got you. I'm with you. Now, but real quick – Finish that sentence, but I do want to point out that on this very network, as we were going through, and I made you go through the Yankees lineup, and you were grumbling about it, being a typical Yankees fan, thinking the sky was falling, I said, the lineup looks pretty good this year, and this team really does have a chance to to compete. I said that on this very show. Right. Now, now you have to understand, I, 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 I don't back off of anything I said, and the reason behind that is the team is not injured right now, right? The, the Yankees over the last couple of years, really since, since 2018, 2019 through last season, I mean, it, it, the, 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 the team has been a mash unit. Uh, we, we were digging deep into the, uh, um, into the IL and deep into the 40 man roster and making some really interesting kind of, situations where you're having guys, you know, like an Estevan Floreal almost, you know, become an everyday guy, Debbie Garcia being your top starter. Uh, right now, I mean, the team is relatively healthy, and I think that helps that you're able to shuffle the lineups around in the way that Aaron Boone likes to do. Uh, it drives me nuts that they can't just commit to a lineup, but that's not the way they do it, and it's not the way they're going to do it. So given that this is what they want, which is roster flexibility, I, which, fine, have the roster flexibility, uh, that's part of why they're doing well and why they're able to do it without the home run. They are doing something, I, I, will, I will say, Mike, you are right, in that I didn't expect them to be doing this well, especially with the lack of home run kind of reliance. Uh, right now, I mean, they're up seven to one on Toronto uh, as we speak. And 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 if you look at the you know kind of you, you don't look at the box score, you just kind of watch the game. I mean, they they had you know Judge hit hit his ninth home run, hit his ninth home run, but the other uh, the other set the other six runs not through the home run. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been actual baseball. It's just unbelievable. 
what they've been able to do. I didn't see that coming, Mike. And, and you know what I always say every year at this time is the reason the Yankees are winning is because they've been hitting home runs uh, as the weather warms up. But I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic they might actually break out of that cycle this year. Um, so I, I'd, be, I'd love to tell you that I think you're right. Um, but I want to give you both a quick moment um, as we, as we kind of hit the, uh, hit the home stretch here. Um, is there anything uh, you guys are looking forward to uh, seeing from your, your own respective teams? So, so Nate, definitely honing on the Orioles. And, Mike, I, I, I just any, – any, pick a team, and I want to tell me what you're looking for from them to make sort of the next step as we're now in May – uh, to show that they're consistently who they are or they're moving in the right direction. Mike, I'm going to give you a moment to think about your team. Nate, tell me what you think the Orioles have to do. I mean, they're 8-15 and 15 right now. Um, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're playing ball. I mean, they're, they're not giving up a ton of runs, which I think is, is a nice win. I mean, they're giving up a lot of runs, but they're not making it egregious. But what do you think the Orioles have to do to make you stay excited and tuned in? This pitching needs to just hold on until the bats come around. Like, there's guys on this team, Ryan Mountcastle, Trey Mancini, Cedric Mullins, those, those three big M names, you know from their track records, they're going to hit. It's just right now, right now Trey Mancini has got to be the most unlucky player or the yeah. most unlucky hitter in all of baseball right now with the number of balls that he is just barreling and they just keep going right at fielders. So, I mean, right now I kind of look at their pitching staff, and this thing is like cobbled together with spit and Kleenex, but it's getting the job done, even though they lost John Means for the year to Tommy John surgery. If they can just kind of keep stretching this along, nobody's saying that they're going to be an 81 or an 82 win team, but if the pitching is a third as good as they are right now and they can get a little bit of hitting to go with that. And you add in Adley Rutschman, who's probably going to come up sometime this month, maybe next month. And then you get a little bit of reinforcement from a guy like, well, Kyle Bradish, if he builds off of his rookie debut, and then you add in Grayson Rodriguez, who's the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball. If he comes up and does what he's touted as being, Maybe they have something here. Maybe this becomes a 72-win ball club going into next year, and then Orioles fans can start thinking about, hey, maybe we have some. Maybe we do have something to build on here instead of just looking at like, well, I guess it's three more years of quote-unquote rebuild. So it'll be, is the pitching for real? That's my big question for the rest of this month. See what they see what they look like at the end of the month on, as a pitching staff. Yeah, I actually, you, you took a lot of the points that I was going to use. I was going to, you know, talk about the Yankees. But I talked about the Yankees enough, but I really wanted to highlight the Twins and what they're doing. Uh, I, you know, Carlos Correa has really been, um, I mean, he's he's a hit machine for that team. I mean, he's got something like 20, he's got over 20 hits, as does um, Luis Arias over at second. So that infield, obviously you've got Polanco in there too. Um, and, and I think the addition of Gio, you know, Urshela having Miguel Sano out there, I mean, I just really like what they've done on the infield. 
um, over in Minnesota. And, and yeah, maybe I'm a little biased because I wanted the Yankees to get Correa. I don't hate him as much as most. And, and, and Nate, I'm sorry, buddy. I got to call you out on this one and I will continue to, before the season started, I had a little fantasy baseball draft and I texted Nate. I was like, what do you think of Byron Buxton? And Nate said, and I quote, he's a bust. Uh, wrong. I think Buxton is having quite the year. Uh, and and I think the Twins as a whole, as as a team, have done really well hitting. But it's their pitching. I mean, it's really I, it's that pitching. They've got I think the second least amount of runs against in the uh, in the AL. Um, and there's they're they're getting it. They're just kind of getting it done with. Uh, I know Joe Ryan is having quite a season. Um, and I you know I it, it, it's to me. When I look at the Twins, I don't see any any individuals that are truly just jumping off the page at me. It's just they're playing well as a team, and can they keep that cohesiveness? Um, so Buxton's that's that's my what I want to look out for. I, I man, I love Buxton. I, I'm I, if but nothing else Buxton's, than just to be able to say that to Nate each week that he was wrong. I do enjoy that. Right, right. But and, and but the thing about him, if he can stay healthy, like the the raw talent. There it is. The there it raw, is, Mike. That's exactly the, it. Yeah, if he could stay, but listen, if he, if he can, if he finds a way to stay healthy, the raw talent is there to put him on the same plane as the best in the game. I I, I really believe his ceiling is that high. I never, that's don't a big if. That's the story here. That's the story here. Don't listen to Nate. Now, speaking of Nate, speaking of Nate, we heard from you. So, Mike, is there is there any team you know that you wanted to hone in on um, um, for the uh, for the next week or two that you want to see them hit that hit that ground and that stride? Yeah, so I got two, and I'll be very brief with my answer here. Um, as a as a fan of my team, and looking and seeing that this team has still. Um, failed to win a series, or they've only won one series so far this season. Um, I look at the Atlanta Braves, and I'm like, okay, you got Acuna back. You're kind of easing him in. Uh, now you got your pieces in place. You can sort of start. You get your lineup back together. Uh, Freed has settled down, but Charlie Morton isn't settled yet. So um, get uh, trying to get these pitchers together and trying to uh, – Going a little bit of run of a run, I'm I'm really curious to see what what happens there. You mentioned the Twins. Um, listen, they they have one three game series with the Astros, but other than that, they have a lot of uh, Detroit, Cleveland, Kansas City. A lot of that coming up in their schedule, where they can really like if they're hot right now, they can really make a a lot of headway and, and really pull ahead there. Uh, and see what they have going right there. And then the the uh, other team that I think needs to find a way to find some footing and quickly, uh, because of this team of the team that I just mentioned, is the White Sox. You got Robert back. Hmm. Uh, Moncada's uh, working through his rehab right now. He's about to get back. Uh, you do have some injuries still on that pitching staff, but they've got to have their pieces. And and you know obviously they. Nobody really saw them losing nine out of ten or whatever it was. 
I mean, obviously it's a sprint, it's a marathon, not a sprint, so they can recover from that. But if the Twins are able to stay hot and really go on a run over this next stretch of say month or so, and they can you know run off uh, twenty two and eight or something stupid like that, uh, which is possible when you look at that schedule. Uh, the White Sox better find some footing or find and find it fast. Otherwise, the Twins are going to run off and hide. And the White Sox are going to be playing for a wild card. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still worried that the, the, the White Sox season last year, uh, just like the Giants season last year, were not – flukes would be a bit dramatic, but they were a little more um, – blips on the radar than they should have been. Uh, one team, I just want to take a quick moment. I don't know if anybody's really paying that close attention to them, but the Miami Marlins are two games over 500, and I think that's pretty fantastic. This team is, uh, this team is it, scrappy. It, it, Listen, they, gra- they, they have great, pitchers. I like scrappy. Yeah, they have pitchers. We knew they were going to have the pitching, right? I mean, Trevor Rogers started a little slow. Pablo Lopez got knocked around a little bit yesterday. But you talk about Nestor Cortez in the American League. Uh, the first month that uh, Pablo Lopez put together was sick uh, for the Marlins. And so you look at this pitching staff and Jesus Lazardo and all these guys, like they've got arms. And uh, and we're starting to see some of the, the fruits of the labor, if you will, of trading away Osuna and Yellick and those guys and what yeah. they got back. And – and so these guys are growing up, and what they've done is, with this lineup, is they have guys that make good contact. They have guys that grind out at bats. They're not going to blow you away. They don't have an offense that scares you. But listen, um, this team's going to make you work. They're going to make you pay for mistakes. They're going to grind out at bats. They're not going to give away a ton of outs. Um, this this team is a scrappy team, and they may not contend in the National League East, and they may not be a playoff team like they were when we had eight teams a couple of years ago, but uh, this team's going to have something to say about the outcome yeah. in that division. And and one other one so, really quickly is Seattle. Yeah. All right, guys, listen, it, it, it has uh, been an absolute blast. Uh, as always, I am um, thankful to speak with both of you. We are right up against the clock, but I just want to remind uh, everybody out there listening, first off, thanks to Nate and Mike for joining me on the Baseball Buffet. Uh, a reminder that the Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company, and the PHI Apparel Company, as always, provides you with those unique designs and those high-quality clothing. Um, again, doesn't matter where you are. Just make sure you send your browser to phiapparel.co. Thank you for listening. I have said enough for a lifetime, and for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant, good afternoon. Kaboom, Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City.